And so what we're focusing on this evening is we have Steve and Natalie Burkholder with us. We have been supporting them for 20 few years since they went to the field of Tanzania, and so we've had a good rapport, good relationship. They are wrapping up that entire ministry, and so this is their farewell tour, so to speak, to that missions, and they're going to be entering in some other ministries. And so Steve's going to explain all of that and share with us, but I'm glad you're here this evening to be a participant, just to be able to fellowship with them, even afterwards, take some time, thank them for the ministry, let them know you're going to be praying. And if I forget to do this, then deacons at the end, if you would, have somebody at the door. For anybody who would like to give a love gift to them, you are more than welcome to do that. If I uh, forget about it, just somebody get there and folk, if you want to put any cash or any uh, check, just do so. And whatever you put in, Market Faith Baptist, and all of it will go to them. Let's have a word of prayer, and then Steve, we're turning it over to you. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, this privilege that we have this evening to be able to see a successful ministry come to a, a fruition, a completion, and to hear about how you just led and how you're leading, even in the continuance of that labor. Thank you that we've had the opportunity to have a very, very small part and to be able to uh, have been involved for several years. And Lord, it's just by your grace that this has happened. We thank you for the Burkholders. We thank you for their ministry. We thank you more even than that for their friendship, for their godly example. And as I think about the times they visited in the past, come and help with our missions conference and other ministries here, it has been a privilege, a delight to be able to partner with them. I pray that as Steve just shares and tells us where you're leading and how you're leading, that it will be an encouragement to our hearts. Bless this service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you and good evening. It's hard to believe uh, it's been 20-something years uh, since our first time that we were here. I remember it was in the old building. How many of you may remember that? Uh, some are new to the church, but I still see some familiar faces out there. Our first connection and, and uh, knowledge of this church was through Doug Miller, uh, missionary with Gospel Furthering Fellowship. And uh, we wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for his influence in our life. Uh, him and Julie, many of you remember him. Of course, he's gone on to be with the Lord. And uh, we just owe a great uh, debt to uh, this church being his home church. And I know way before we started thinking about Tanzania, you all started praying for missionaries to go to Tanzania. So it's your fault. <laughs> no. Uh, we praise the Lord that we got that burden too for the uh, country of Tanzania, specifically the Datoga tribe there uh, way back in college. It's good to have my college uh, friends here, the Myers, who are now uh, nationals here in Pennsylvania, uh, locals, I guess you'd call them, not nationals, uh, locals here in Pennsylvania, and uh, went to school with Rodney, and we prayed for the Datoga together, and they were in Tanzania along with us, uh, always separated by two or three hours, uh, but in Tanzania, that's basically a trip to the grocery store. And so we got to see them often and fellowship with their family. And uh, I don't have time to, you know, the last 21 years to wrap up, but I would like to share with you just what's happened in the last year, okay? I, can't, I think it was probably a year or a year and a half ago that we were here, and it was obvious that the Lord was uh, moving the ministry on in Tanzania. In 2020 and 2021, we took an extended furlough, and part of the reason of that furlough was to get our older children established here in America. They did their senior year together at a Christian school right outside of Canton, Ohio, and then uh, got Hannah started in university, and Caleb uh, kind of 
in, living in with my parents and working full-time and taking some online classes. They had an excellent adjustment this over this last year. Uh, Hannah completed her freshman year at Cedarville University studying music, and she's going back for her sophomore year here in a few weeks. Uh, Caleb uh, finished a, a good semester of online classes, so he'll be starting in the fall in Pensacola. Uh, here in a few weeks, we'll take him down, and he'll be a uh, second semester freshman, but still studying the ministry down there in Pensacola. And so we just thank the Lord for your prayers and their adjustment. We still have Sarah with us, not here today. All three of them are down a few hours south spending some time with uh, the Scheip family who are, were missionaries along with us in Tanzania. And so we're seeing all these missionaries that we used to know in Tanzania here in America. So we're having a little reunion. Uh, so they're with them this weekend. But uh, this is a picture of us going back to Tanzania, September of last year, almost a year ago. Of course, you can see we're still uh, doing the yeah, COVID protocol there on the airplane. Uh, Sarah got hers down for the picture, of course. Teenage girls, you know, pictures are everything. So uh, Sarah and I and Natalie went back to Tanzania, and it was one of the hardest things we've ever had to do, much harder than going the first time, just Natalie and I, going, leaving Hannah and Caleb here in the U.S., um, many of you have gone through that experience of dropping off your kids at college uh, and you got to drive home. Maybe it was an hour or two or 12 or 15. Uh, we knew we were getting on a plane in a few days and going across the ocean. And of course, we knew they were in the Lord's hands, but it still was very hard. And that made it just a little bit harder knowing that we were leaving them on another continent. But God took care of them and took care of us. And there were some, some sad and lonely days in the big house we had there in Tanzania walking by their rooms, and I'm sure all the emotions that you've gone through, uh, missionaries go through those same things, those same emotions. But we went back to Tanzania, and uh, we found the ministry there at the True Center doing well. This is Pastor Rich. Uh, Richard is a pastor that uh, was been the assistant pastor there for us for 11 years. He first came to the church as a teenager uh, to play games during our, our sports day on Saturdays, and the Lord got a hold of his heart. He was already saved, but running from the Lord, just rebellious, running from home, and ended up in our small little town of Katesh and came to the Truth Center and uh, started coming to our church and getting involved with the youth group, joined our Bible Institute, and the Lord called him into the ministry and got his, his life back on track with the Lord. And so for two days a week, Rich would come to the church and cut grass or, you know, fold uh, Bible lessons or stamp tracts or go on visitation uh, or we'd study how to put a message together. And after two years of that, he proved himself faithful and the church uh, voted on him to be the assistant pastor. That was 11 years ago. And he's been a faithful assistant pastor uh, by my side for the last 11 years. And the goal has always been for him to become the pastor um, or for eventually a Tanzanian man to become the pastor of the church. So when we returned back to Tanzania in September, we found the church growing. We were gone for over a year. We'd never been gone that long. There were new people uh, that we did not know that had come to trust Christ while we were gone. He was here, a picture of him baptizing a new believer while we were gone. And so we found things really good moving forward, and we were excited. Uh, not only we have new people in the church, but we had uh, a ministry. One of the heartbeats of our ministry is our Bible Institute uh, ministry, and that's for everyday church people who just want to be involved in ministry, Sunday school teacher, youth worker, um, children's worker. They have to go through our Bible Institute. And so Rich really grew that ministry while we were gone. When I left, I think there was 12 or 13 students. Well, he added up to 25 students and had to expand and move it to the youth room that you see him here studying. We have um, older people in our, our Bible Institute, younger people, uh, and so Rich has really expanded that ministry knowing that 
Uh, he needs help. He needs workers in the church that are going to volunteer and serve alongside him. So we saw that ministry uh, not just maintaining it and making sure things don't fall apart when the missionary is gone. Things were thriving. Things were going forward. There's new people in the church. There's new baptisms. The Bible Institute ministry was, was growing and almost doubled while we were gone. Uh, one of the exciting things that happened while we were gone in the U.S., uh, was he called me one day and said, hey, uh, Joshua, who's pictured here as a Bible Institute graduate, has surrendered to full-time ministry. Well, it wasn't a surprise to me. We've been praying for Joshua for a long time and uh, come to our church two furloughs ago. When I came back, I said, is this in game? Oh, yeah, I led him to the Lord, and Rich has been discipling him, and he's now completed our Bible Institute. He's been leading a Bible study out in the village of Wareta, which is about an hour's walk from Katesh, on Thursday evenings under a tree. And so he's been doing that for two and a half years. And he approached Rich during our church's missions conference last year while we were gone and said, I feel God's calling me to be the pastor of that church out there. And so uh, the church uh, met and said, this is something that we feel like we want to do is start a church in this new village where we already had about eight people coming from that village to our Katesh ministry at the Truth Center. And so the, the Lord burdened Joshua and Rich as his pastor, as his mentor. Everything that I had been teaching Rich over the last 10, 11 years, he was now uh, reproducing himself into Joshua. And so the church sent out a team of uh, people to gather some sticks, and this is uh, church planting in Tanzania. Uh, we, the church sent out a, a team, and they gathered up these logs, dug some holes, and put the logs in the holes, and it's not rocket science. Uh, instead of meeting under a tree, uh, they announced that they were going to start their first service in January. And so without any missionary help, any foreign missionary help, I didn't go out there on purpose. I didn't, uh, you know, drive my car and take the people out there. They all walked on foot or they rode their bikes out to the village and to get this new church plant started. And so not only that, uh, but funding, the church uh, funded this. Our, the Katesh Church was able to help uh, put just a little building together. You can see some tin roofing here, and the, the poles are going up. And uh, sent out Joshua Rich, being the, the main lead in this new church plant. And the church gathered together and had a special day where they uh, commissioned him and sent him out as a church planter from the Katesh Church. Uh, one of the things that the church was able to do for him was, instead of him walking the hour out there, was able to recondition an old bicycle uh, and get it all in working condition. And so now he can get out there in about 10 minutes uh, to the church plant. So Joshua, you have there him in the middle, and Rich, and then, of course, you recognize the other guy. Uh, this is their first church service out in the village of Walretta, uh, the first church that they've done all by themselves without a foreign missionary involved. Now, we've started four churches out in the villages from Katesh, but this is the most current one, and this one there was no American missionary involvement in, not financially and not, you know, going out and doing any of the ministry. And that might sound like, oh, well, you sound like you don't want to do ministry. No, that's not the case. We wanted them to do it, and we were kind of on the sidelines. When we went back to Tanzania in September, I said, listen, I want you to start just calling me coach. That's fine. I, I'm not going to be on the field with you anymore. I'm not going to be one of the main players in what's going on here. I'm going to be off to the sideline and coaching and, and encouraging and, and, and helping you think through some things. And so uh, this was our first church service there in Wareta. 
Not only was the uh, church exploding, our Christian school there, which uh, started with just four students and uh, a couple teachers, is now over 250 students and 30 teachers and staff and cooks and guards and the whole thing. Uh, it's really exploding in the community. This is one of our church, our school's chapels that they have every Friday. So the school ministry was exploding and going well. The church was going well. And th this time we, we went back was just to observe and say, okay, is this, are they ready? Is this going to be the time where we start to make our exit strategy? And I'm going to share with you from the Bible why we do that uh, here in a little bit. But the school was doing great. Uh, the church was doing great. This is Josiah, the principal of our school. He's standing there with Rich and our district commissioner. And they're standing in front of 70 bags of cement that the church and the school were able to donate to the local hospital there. I'm going to repeat that. The church and the school was able to donate to the local hospital there, not the missionary. I didn't write a prayer letter. I didn't contact our churches. Uh, this was something that we, the church got a, a letter from the district government saying, hey, we're trying to raise money to do uh, kind of a project at the local hospital. Would your organization please be involved? I said, well, you guys need to have a meeting and see how you can be involved. And so the church and the school got together and was able to um, not raise funds or have a special fundraiser, but from the, from the budget of the school and the church, they're both doing great financially, totally independent financially, not dependent on the missionary or outside support, was able to have this outreach to the community and provide these 70 bags of cement to the local hospital there. And so I say all that to say financially, the ministry, uh, the, the first couple pictures will show you how they're doing well ministry-wise, but financially, They've been independent for over 10 years. Now, we did use outside funding, support from America to build the buildings, uh, the capital expenses to get things started. But for over 10 years, we haven't used any outside funding to uh, pay pastor or, uh, or fix a door or a window that was broken or pay the electric bill. Uh, we've just taught them God's principles and God's word about tithing and sacrificial giving. And the church is paying rich 100% full-time. They're paying their own bills. They even got money in the bank and helped start a new church. The school, the same thing. No child sponsorship program. It's just uh, doing the school fees and managing the money well and using biblical principles of budgeting and saving. We're able to see uh, a church and a school in a developing country when it's done God's way, I believe using those biblical principles is very possible. And so we praise the Lord for uh, not just the spiritual things being becoming more independent, but financially they're independent and not just independent, but making an impact in the community and providing for all the monthly expenses. Uh, this was our 17-year anniversary at the Truth Center. We had our, all of our village churches come in. It's not packed out like this every Sunday, uh, but this was a special day. You can see Rich and I standing in the middle there. Uh, in January, I presented to the church uh, and preached a series of messages about what the foreign missionary's role is and how we felt like our job was being fulfilled and coming to completion. And it was just a natural uh, thing where we said, well, well, now you guys, you'll need a, a new pastor since we're probably going to not be here much longer. And the church voted unanimously 100% for Rich to be the pastor, obviously being uh, leading the church for a year during our absence. And so during the 17-year anniversary uh, there at the Truth Center, uh, he became the official pastor for the church vote back in March. And uh, this is me presenting him with all the tools he needs to uh, uh, shepherd the church there. Number one, a spear. That's just to keep the deacons in line, okay? Uh, 
Pastor, I brought you one if you need it. Uh, you can see me later. No. Uh, shepherds in Tanzania, especially out in the bush, they carry two important tools. Number one is a spear, and that's for the, uh, their flock, to keep their flock safe. And I taught Rich and presented to the church that uh, a lot of times when the foreign missionary leaves, it leaves, it happened in the New Testament when Paul left, the false teachers try to come in, those that are looking for position and looking for pride try to make their way in. So I said, here's the spear, and that's to help protect the flock. The other tool you see there is a shepherd's staff, and that's to teach the flock and lead the flock. Um, but of course, the most important thing that I'm handing to them is they're really the only tool he needs to be a good pastor, and that's a new Bible and God's Word. And so it was an emotional day for us. It was an emotional uh, year for us, as we said, uh, goodbye to our children, and then also goodbye to our spiritual children, the church there, who we come to love. Uh, probably the hardest thing we've ever had to do was drive away from Katesh a few months ago. Um, it was just as hard as, as, as our separation from our, from our physical children. And so it's been an emotional, draining year for the Burkholder family. We appreciate your prayers for us. Um, this picture is just from a few weeks ago. Since we've been back to the United States in May, uh, Rich is standing here with four men, and they're all holding a book. This is the book and set of books that I use to help teach Rich is theological training. It's called the Biblical Training Center for Pastors. It's a series of 10 books. It's over 1,000 hours of one-on-one -on -one teaching. And uh, this was Rich's Bible College. There's no set Bible colleges that go off to in Tanzania. It's mostly in-house training, mentoring, on the job. And so he is now has the village church leaders. Uh, you can see Joshua there on, on the left and uh, two others from the village of Basotu in Basodesh. That's Deo and John and another young man uh, who has surrendered to the ministry. So he's continuing on. The exact thing and the exact methods that I use with Rich, not a, a big uh, system, not, not a big impressive Bible school that takes a lot of money. Uh, he meets with them uh, just the same way Rich and I met over the last 11 years, really, slowly but surely, and he's started this since we've left. So it's great to see t 2 Timothy 2.2 in action. The things which thou hast learned of me uh, give to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so it's just a joy to see uh, the ministry that I've had over the last five years has basically been focused on one man mentoring and preparing Rich for this leadership role. Now he's continuing that on with these other four men, and uh, this is going on today. I've got phone, pictures on my phone from today that I got after the morning service while we were down in York. Uh, four new people joined the church today in Katesh. There was eight baptisms, and he says we're teaching Bible Institute this week, so I don't have a lot of time to talk. So he's a busy pastor now and doesn't have time to talk to his missionary friend, but uh, pray for Rich and pray for the ministry that continues there on. Uh, we expect them to not just continue on with the ministry, but to do greater things. Uh, just as Jesus told his disciples, the things which I have done ye shall do, but greater than these ye shall do. And so if Christ can expect that of the disciples, I believe that we can expect that of those whom the Lord led us there to train and to teach. And so they are continuing on with great things. Uh, some even, like I said, more recent, recent pictures from today that I could throw up there to show you how the Lord is continuing to work there in Tanzania. But it's still early. It's still very early for them. 
uh, to, to be able to say, hey, are they going to make it? Are they going to survive? And uh, they continue to need your prayers. They continue to need you to continue to lift up that ministry. Pastor Rich, if you can't remember any other names, pray for Pastor Richard and the church there at Katesh and all the village churches as well. There's four churches out in the village that are really depending on the town church to help uh, help continue to educate their pastors uh, and just kind of be an encouragement to the village churches that are there in the district of Hanang. Uh, this was our big goodbye service, our boo-hoo moment, and uh, like I said, very hard. They had a special service for all, of, for in each of the village churches. It was like five weeks of saying goodbye, you know. I don't know if many like goodbyes out there, but we don't like goodbyes anymore. Uh, and so, it was an emotional experience there at the True Center, just saying goodbye as they came up one by one, lots of tears shed, uh, just like you find in Acts chapter 20 when Paul said goodbye to the, to the Ephesians church, not knowing whether he'd see them ever again face to face. And the Bible says that they went out and they uh, kneeled together and prayed and hugged and, and just slobbered on each other, and then Paul went away. And so that's kind of what we had there going on at the True Center. And the next step was selling all of our belongings. Uh, the last, last couple of months has been boiled down to seven pieces of luggage. That's everything the Burkholders own in the whole world right there. So uh, we sold everything that we had accumulated over the last 20 years. Uh, someone says, well, it must be a lot of work to move. We're not moving. We're starting over. We just got, got rid of everything and came home with what you see in the picture there with uh, Sarah and Natalie. We arrived here in May, and from, since then we've just been praying and exploring other ministry opportunities that the Lord would have for us. But if I get to this point, I just want to stop and say thank you. Uh, I've been going real fast because I got something from God's Word I want to share with you, but I want to say thank you for your support all these years. There's no way uh, that we would have been able to last long-term in Tanzania if it wasn't for your faithful prayers and your faithful support. Uh, this church, along with other churches that have stuck with us all these years, a lot of times the missionary gets the credit uh, for being on the field, but it definitely was a team effort. We couldn't do what we were able to see the Lord do, really, in Tanzania if it weren't for you. And so it's truly, truly been a team effort. And so we just thank you so much for your prayers throughout the year, your faithfulness. It just doesn't seem like enough to just stand up and say thank you. Uh, not just with the monthly support, but this church, I can say, has been one of our top supporting churches when it comes to special projects, your sacrificial Sunday, your missions uh, giving is just very unique. And one of the churches that supports us and regularly asks us, hey, is there anything we can do to help you in a special way? Uh, that usually doesn't happen. It's usually the missionary contacting the churches saying, hey, I have these special needs. So when you have a church contacting the missionary saying, hey, can we help you with any special needs? Wow, you, you answer that email real quick, okay? Because that's not, you don't get those very often. So you have a very special, a very unique church. I'm not just saying that to get support because you'll probably stop support pretty soon, all right? But what I'm saying is thank you for all you've done and for Pastor Burgraff and his friendship and constant communication with us has been an encouragement. And I'm not saying this to make any other churches feel bad or look bad, but there's been some churches that we haven't been to or heard from in the last 21 years. They still support us, and we're still a missionary on the wall, but I feel like here at Faith Baptist, we're more than just a missionary on the wall. I feel like we're a missionary in your hearts, and you're in our hearts as well. And so we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for the involvement that 
you've been involved as you see those pictures and as you uh, look back over the last 20 years, it's been a team effort. So thank you. God bless you so much for everything you all have done. I think we can clap. Can we clap? I'm clapping for you. I'm clapping for you. Uh, that's okay if we clap in church every once in a while. Thank you. Uh, and praise the Lord for that. Really, it's been the Lord who's done the work. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we can kind of shift gears. I'd love to answer any questions you might have about Tanzania, but rest assured, the work is continuing on there, and I just want to share with you uh, why, why we're doing this. Why, why leave? Why start something new? Uh, what, what's the biblical reason for all this? So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into the message for this evening. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this time to share with this dear church all that you have done and are doing in Tanzania. Lord, we've been your ambassadors there. You've used this church and you've used us. But God, you've done the work. There's no mistaking about it. There's nothing we can claim as something that we've done on our own. Lord, we do lift up the ministry of the Truth Baptist Church and the Truth Center and the Village Churches, Pastor Rich and the other men that are continuing on the vision that was started. I think way back to the vision that even Doug Miller had about reaching this tribe and reaching this section and this area of Tanzania. Lord, we know that there's still work to do. There's still so much work to do there, not only there, but around the world. But Lord, we just pray as we shift our mind now to the scriptures, as we look at the example of the Apostle Paul and the book of Acts and how you call missionaries to certain area for a certain time and then continue on the calling in another area for another purpose. Lord, I pray to be an encouragement to the church here today that they would uh, be able to see that in your word. Use your Holy Spirit to teach us from your holy word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14 is where we're going to find uh, our example. And as you're turning there in Acts chapter 14, uh, let me ask you a few questions, all right? Acts chapter 14. How do you know when you've completed a task? <laughs> How do you know when the job is finished? Well, some things are pretty easy to know. If you're watching a football game, you know it's that when the clock reads zero, zero, zero. Pastor told me this, this evening, you know when you're done when the clock says 7.30. Uh, that's when I know I'm done. And how do you know when you're done in baseball? Well, at the bottom of the ninth. Well, of course, you keep going if there's a tie. But there's some very distinct endings that are it's very easy to know when the ending of that job is. Some jobs are ongoing, like mowing the grass, right? Uh, that seems to be a never-ending job. You mow the grass on Monday, and by Thursday, it's already need mowed again. Doing the laundry, ladies, right? Or cleaning the house, uh, that's a never-ending job, it seems. Soon as you get the task finished, it needs to be repeated again. So some jobs are ongoing, and some jobs there's a, or, or some events or, or jobs there's a distinct end to. It's a one-time job. It's you start and you finish. Others are an ongoing thing. What about the Great Commission? How do you know when you're finished? I really struggled with this as a missionary and say, God, are you done with us here in Tanzania? Uh, I need to know that you're done with us here in Tanzania. Obviously, the Great Commission is never fully accomplished. Uh, there's still work to do. We find it in Mark 16, 15, preach the gospel to every creature. Until every creature has the gospel preached to them, the Great Commission is still valid. 
uh, make disciples of all nations in Matthew 28 until every nation or every people group has a gospel witness and a good local church that's believing the Bible and teaching the Bible, there's still work to do. Acts 1.8, be witnesses unto the uttermost part of the earth. There's still parts of our earth and parts of our world that need a good gospel witness. And so, obviously, as long as there are still unreached and lost people on this earth, the task of the Great Commission is never fully accomplished, and the local church has the commandment to obey until Jesus returns. That's why he promised when he gave the Great Commission, lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world in Matthew 28, 20, because it's going to take till the end of the world, till the end of this age to accomplish that task. There will always be work to do until Jesus comes back. So the Great Commission, I believe, is an unending task until the Lord Jesus returns. But what about the church planning missionary? I believe the church planning missionary should be committed to the goal, and the goal is always to start churches that become indigenous or independent. This means the goal of each local church should be self-funding, financially supporting itself, self-governing, leading itself, and self-propagating or reproducing itself. The foreign missionary must be committed to the whole Great Commission, which not only is just evangelizing the lost, but it also entails discipling believers and bringing them maturity into the local church, but also preparing leaders who will continue on the vision of the Great Commission so that Great Commission can continue on within the church that he has started. In a sense, the job of the foreign missionary, we've heard it many times, is to what? Work themselves out of a job. So we recognize that the Great Commission is an ongoing and unfinished task for the local church to continue to strive and to accomplish until Jesus returns. However, we also recognize that there is a completion point for the foreign missionary in the role which they, which they play and fulfill in accomplishing the Great Commission in a certain local church or area. And if we look at the biblical model for this, for missions and the example of the Apostle Paul, we can understand what it takes for the missionary church planner to fulfill their calling and pass on the work of the Great Commission to an established, indigenous, independent local church. If we complete and continue the calling of the Great Commission, I believe that the biblical example of Paul shows us that that calling will be continued on in another area, in another ministry. Again, there's no end to the calling of the Great Commission, but there has to be a measurable ending point to the church planting foreign missionary on the field to which they're serving. Let's look at that in Acts chapter 14. All that by way of introduction. Acts chapter 14 and verse 26 is the end of Paul's first missionary journey as he's returning to Antioch. You'll remember in, in Acts chapter 13, he was sent out, him and Barnabas, from the Antioch local church, and they went around there and, and preached the gospel and started local churches, and, and we're going to back up from verse 26 here in a bit. But there's one word I want you to recognize in verse 26 of Acts chapter 14. It says, And thence sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. That word fulfilled means to finish or to accomplish something, to complete something, to bring something to an end. So if that word fulfilled is used there and it's the work that the Apostle Paul and Barnabas did on their first missionary journey, they were returning home to Antioch not because they wanted to see family and friends, which is a good 
time to return to your sending country and sending church. But the purpose for them returning was the work had been fulfilled. And I think there's three key ingredients that need to take place for the missionary church planter's work to be fulfilled. Let's jump back up in uh, chapter 14 right there. You could read all the way through chapter 13 and 14 and then on in the second and third missionary journeys and find these three same principles. This is just basic, very basic New Testament missions principles. The first one that we see in verse 21 They started the church with evangelism. Verse 21 of Acts chapter 14. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch. The Apostle Paul's priority in his mission was preaching the gospel to the lost. And that should remain the priority for church planning missionaries even today, 2,000 years later. There's a lot that goes on in the name of missions when it comes to missionaries and foreign missionaries. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't send uh, help missionaries to be involved in a church planting team, uh, nurses, doctors, engineers. God can use any talent, any ability on the mission field, and and we surely have put them to use. We have a Christian school. We can use Christian school teachers on the mission field. But has to be involved in the ultimate goal of reaching the loss with the gospel. See, we can dig water wells, we can put buildings together, we can build schools and hospitals, but if we're not helping people with their number one need of the gospel, it shouldn't be considered biblical missions. And so the priority of the Apostle Paul was always preaching the gospel to the lost. But this was just the start. Everywhere Paul went, he preached the gospel to the lost so that they'd be saved. He started with the Jews, and when they normally rejected his message, he switched over to the Gentiles. But his priority was preaching the gospel. As long as he could physically remain in that area, he preached the gospel to the lost. But this wasn't the end. This was just the beginning. This was like the spiritual birth. Just as if a child is born, we can't say a missions is completed when someone comes to know Christ. That's just the birth. Just like a, a child is born physically, well, there's a lot to work to do after the child is born, right? Actually, the birthing part is the exciting part. Everyone gets excited to hear about missionaries and people coming to know Christ. And just as a baby has an announcement, I've seen all kinds of baby announcements coming out. But I've never seen the first diaper change announcement. For some reason, that doesn't make the newsletter or the Facebook, the first messy diaper, the first sleepless night. You see, that baby all of a sudden needs 100% care. It needs raised. It needs to be brought to maturity, and that takes time, and it takes a lot of hard work. Same when it comes to spiritual work. There's no shortcut in biblical missions. Evangelism is the starting. It's actually the fun part. I would love to have a ministry where we went around and just preached the gospel from city to city and village to village. Uh, But that's not true biblical missions. We see that right here in verse 21 because it says he preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, those that had believed, he got into teaching them. But then, notice he returned again to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch. The second component or principle that I think uh, determines if a missionary's job has been fulfilled is strengthening the church with discipleship. Notice where he returned to. These three places, Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, are all listed in chapter 13 and 14. In every one of these areas, Paul was chased out of town. He was persecuted. And I don't know about you, but if you pass through Hershey, Pennsylvania, or if you go down to Myerstown, and people are throwing rocks at you for preaching the gospel, you're probably not going to go back tomorrow. But that's exactly what the Apostle Paul did. 
He went back because he knew it was important not just to start those churches, but to strengthen those churches through discipleship. In verse 23, in verse 22, it says, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, then that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Paul knew it was going to be tough for those first century Christians to be Christians. He faced the persecution himself. So he knew these churches needed to, be, needed to be strengthened, confirming the souls. That's what that word means, to strengthen, and exhorted them, or it means to comfort them, because he knew they were going to face persecution. The local church on the mission field needs to be strengthened through strong discipleship. And that has been the heartbeat of our ministry in Tanzania. That's why we could step away for a year and the church continue to grow. That's why we could be here and still hear about people being saved and baptized and joining the church and men being trained because of the importance and the focus that we put on discipleship and strengthening that church through discipleship. It's like the raising of the child. If evangelism is like giving birth to the child, the raising of the child is like discipleship in a local church when it comes to missions. It's that hard work. It's the day in and day out, the sacrifice that needs to be made for that child's uh, benefit. It's the same when it comes to missions. It means getting through the hard times, struggling through the spiritual battle, and making sure that that local church is strong enough to face persecution, have people that are faithful enough to when their faith is challenged and when they do face the, the temptations of the world to fight through those temptations and outlast it. So that is the, really the, the focus that we see here in the Bible. But not only that. Thirdly, we see the third element of fulfilling the Great Commission. How do we know when it's done for the foreign missionary in a certain area? We find in verse 23. It says, and when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Not only did Paul start the church with evangelism and strengthen the church, but he also sustained the church, making sure the church was sustainable by ordaining elders in every church, every local church being independent but having biblically qualified leaders. The word for elder there obviously is translated pastors and teachers in other portions of Scripture. We know this wasn't board-led churches, but perhaps those men who were biblically qualified according to the qualifications that he gave to Timothy and Titus to lead those ministries into the future and to continue on the ministry. And so, and then he says he commended them to the Lord. That mean commend means to commit or deposit or to put them before the Lord. You see, they weren't the Paul's churches. They were the Lord's churches. And as I look back at the ministry in Tanzania, man, I would love to claim that as my own. But it wasn't Steve's church. It wasn't Natalie's church. It wasn't the Burkholder's work. It was the Lord's work. And so as we stepped away from that work, we really put them into the Lord's hands because it's his work, and they'll continue on doing that. But I believe those three principles, those three things that we see there in the book of Acts, again, this is just very basic, have to be in place before the foreign missionary can consider leaving the church. If not, sometimes for circumstances outside of their control, whether that be health reasons or government permits, we've seen all, a lot of missionaries come and go from Tanzania, and they weren't ready to go. They didn't want to leave. But I believe these three factors are important in making the work fulfilled or complete. 
And we've just been blessed. Let me just say it's only been by God's grace that he's allowed us to see a ministry get started through evangelism, strengthened through discipleship, but then also sustainable through the training of leaders. And I believe the greatest need right now, at least in East Africa, is for missionaries who will train faithful pastors in theological education. It's a ministry that we prayed about and considered for some time. It's a ministry we'd like to continue to do uh, in, in the years ahead if God would allow us to go back to East Africa and be involved in ministry there um, to be able to continue to train pastors who feel called into the ministry. Uh, the need there for theological education is, is so great because of the false teaching. But it didn't stop there. The Apostle Paul, of course, returned to Antioch, and he was there, the Bible says, with the disciples. that He rehearsed all that God had done with them. I love how it's stated there in verse 27. It says, And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed, that's Paul and Barnabas, they rehearsed, they went over their, their missionary journey, all that God had done with them. I love how it's stated there. Not all that they had done for God, but all that God doing the work with them. See, they were just the instruments. And how they had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and there they abode a long time with the disciples. Um, the Apostle Paul there with Barnabas, uh, then they make the trip to Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15, and, and then we find them again being sent out uh, again on Paul's second missionary journey, and you can follow that. So Paul completed that mission in his first missionary journey to those churches. He still had an ongoing relationship with them. He would visit from time to time. He would write the epistles to the churches that he started. But he, as a church planning missionary, knew that his job was to go and to start and to strengthen and sustain local churches through evangelism, discipleship, and leadership training. That's not a shortcut. Sometimes that can take a whole lifetime. It took us 20-plus years, but we feel like our calling to Tanzania has been fulfilled based on how we've examined and interpreted that part, portion of Scripture. And as I prayed about the Lord's leading us and, and where we would be uh, if we were even to stay in Tanzania and, and maybe go half an hour down the road and do this again in a, a small town called Singida or find another place in Tanzania who needed the gospel, certainly not all of Tanzania has heard the gospel, believe me. There's still work to be done there. There's still a job to do. There's still missionaries that are needed uh, to go to Tanzania, church planting missionaries. And East Africa in general still needs the gospel. The whole world still needs the gospel. We're nowhere near completing the task that Jesus gave us to do. But as I examined the scripture and as I prayed in my heart for the Lord's leading, I went back to my original calling in Acts chapter 15. If you took your Bibles and turn there as we uh, finish up this last couple minutes on how we believe the Lord is calling us into the future. I needed to be reminded of my original calling in Acts chapter 15 and verse 20 and 21 are verses that the Lord used to call us to Tanzania. And uh, this calling is continuing on in the churches there as we saw through the slides and, and there's still work to be done there. We have the biblical examples of Antioch and Philippi, how they continued on the ministry of Paul when Paul was no longer on those specific sites. 
And Paul had a continued calling. He, he says as in his first calling is in Romans chapter 15 and verse 20 and 21, very, very dear verses to our heart, the verses that the Lord used us to call us to Tanzania. It says, yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I build upon another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was spoken of, they shall see. And they that have not heard shall understand. We clung on to these verses for 20 plus years, knowing that God called us to Tanzania as church planning missionaries, not to build upon another man's foundation, but to preach the gospel, especially to those that are the least reached in the area of Tanzania that we had gone to. And there were times where these were the only verses that were getting us through, that were getting us up out of bed in the morning. Um, these were the verses that God used. So I went back to these verses and I said, Lord, is there somewhere else you want me to go? Is there some other place that hasn't heard yet that you want the gospel to go to? I'm ready. I'm willing to stay here in Tanzania the rest of my life. I'm willing to go to some other country. And I uh, was really struggling and wrestling through this, uh, not just this past year, but for several years as I've seen the end coming in Tanzania and the job being fulfilled. And so I went back to these verses, and I never bothered really to go past verse 21 because I knew those were the verses that God used me, and I started examining them again. But I said, let me just continue reading on. And so in verse 22 and verse 23 are the verses that God used to call us to leave Tanzania. I said, Lord, if you called us to Tanzania through verses, you're going to have to get us to leave through your word. I want to know for sure that you're calling us to leave um, in verse 22, it says, For which cause I have been much hindered from coming to you. He's referring to verse 20 and 21, right? Because he's been preaching the gospel all around Asia Minor and Macedonia, preaching to people that have never heard before. He's been hindered from coming to who? The Romans. He wanted to go to Rome. He says, For which cause I've been doing this preaching the gospel where no Christ, Christ has not been named thing, this missionary church planning thing for so long, I've been hindered to come to you. I've heard there's Christians in Rome, but I have not been able to come to you yet. But in verse 23, it says, But now, having no more room, having no more place, excuse me, in these parts, and having a great desire many years to come unto you. Verse 23 just popped out of the page for me when I read this and when I was examining my missionary call. It says, but now having no more place. What did he mean by no more place? Did it mean he ran out of rent money or didn't have a place to stay? No, I don't think it meant that. He wasn't being evicted, but it was Paul saying, I have no more opportunity, I have no more calling to be a church planting missionary here in this area. But not was it just that place or that opportunity, but it says, and having a great desire these many years to come to you. God placed a burden and a desire on his heart for another place. It certainly doesn't mean that everyone in Macedonia and Asia Minor knew Christ as their Savior. It doesn't mean that there was a church in every village where Paul left. He said, I've, I've been hindered from coming to you in Rome, but now I have a great desire, and I have no more opportunity. I have no more place in these parts, in this country. I feel like God is moving me on is what he's saying. Still to do the work of the Lord, still to be a missionary, to be involved in God's work, but not any longer in that area. Matter of fact, if we examine Paul's 
explanation of where he's going and how he's going to get there, he eventually wanted to get to Spain with the gospel. And we know what happened, and he reported to Jerusalem and was captured and was a prisoner and was there in, in Rome. He got to Rome eventually, but not the way he thought he was going to get there. And he had his plans all laid out, how he was going to sail there and spend a few and then go on to Spain. But God had other plans. You know, God has a calling for each and every one of us. And when that calling's fulfilled and when that job's done, God has another job for us. You might have been here in this church for the last 20 years and you've been teaching third grade girls Sunday school class. And you feel like, man, you need to train somebody else and pass that ministry on to somebody else. But it's not so you can retire and sit back and just be blessed. It's so that you can start another ministry. You might be working in the youth or, the, or in the neighborhood evangelism. Whatever ministry that God's given you here in the music ministry or however God's using you, God has a purpose and a place for you. And it's not to sit back. It's to realize your job and, and your ministry and eventually that ministry to continue, not die with you and continue on with somebody else. You know, the, the missionary's job is the same job as everyone else, and that's just to serve the Lord in the calling and the gifting that he's given you to do and to train someone else to do it so that ministry and job can continue after you're gone. And so as we consider what the Lord would have for us and where the Lord is leading us, um, I began to get that calling from the Lord. It was time to leave Tanzania. Uh, but we didn't know where to go. That's the bad thing of working yourself out of job. You got to go find another one. And so we had been praying for many years. Uh, the Lord had been leading our hearts. Every time we'd come back to the United States, to be honest, we would see the spiritual needs that are all around us in this country. And I thought, how can I leave the spiritual needs that are here in my own country and my own people? Has Paul had a burden for the Jewish people in his heart till the end of his ministry? God began burning in our hearts for America and, and the, the spiritual need that's here in our country. And I don't, I'm preaching to the choir when I say that. I know you all see the spiritual need that's right here in front of us in our country. And how the Lord gave me a burden to use our experience in Tanzania to maybe train and encourage and, and, and prepare missionaries to go to, the, go to the field. All this was bouncing around in my mind when I was reading John chapter 4. And John chapter 4 is the great missionary verses that we hear all the time during missions conference. And when I read these verses, I thought, surely the Lord's going to lead us to another country. In John chapter 4, uh, Jesus is talking with the woman at the well, and his disciples come and are confused about what's going on there and totally missing the spiritual opportunity that's right in front of them. Jesus says these words that you often associate with foreign missions. He says, Say ye not, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look unto the fields, for they are white already in the harvest. As, we, as I read those verses, I thought, surely, Lord, there's a harvest out there that's just waiting to be reaped. Where, where do you want me to go? And I returned to those verses again, and he says, lift up your eyes. I got the sense from the Lord that I wasn't to go looking for something, to just look and see the opportunities that were right in front of us. Six years ago, we were approached by a church in San Antonio, Texas, by a pastor who asked us to consider come to be the pastor of that church. He's 73 years old, Pastor Forrest Jones in uh, San Antonio, Texas at Leon Valley Baptist Church. has been a great supporting church of ours uh, for the past 20 years. He's made two trips to Tanzania and spent time on the field with us at our SALT conferences, but also in our home. 
had become a very dear friend to us uh, personally in the ministry there. Uh, for those that don't know, Natalie grew up in San Antonio, Texas, not at this church, but in, in San Antonio at another church. And uh, the Lord has used that church greatly in our ministry throughout the years. And when he asked me six years ago to consider maybe taking over for him when he retired, I basically told him, no. <laughs> I said, I can't. There's no way I can leave Tanzania. Remember, this was six years ago. But the Lord continued to work on our hearts. And every year he would come back and say, how, what do you think now? And I said, you really please just need to be looking for somebody else. I don't want to hold you up. I have no idea how long things are going to take in Tanzania and how long we're going to be here. So please pray about it and, and, and allow the Lord to lead you in other directions. You're not going to offend me at all. Every year, just like Doug Miller would come back to Pensacola Christian College every year and tell us about the need. Uh, Pastor Forrest Jones was contacting me every year and saying, what about San Antonio? What about the need here? How can uh, you come and, and continue on the vision of this church to reach this community and reach the world? And it was when I was reading John chapter 4, and the verses that followed were the verses that the Lord really impressed upon my heart, uh, that this was the calling that he was sharing with us. Lift up your eyes and look under the fields. You don't have to go searching for a job. It's right there in front of you, Steve. And in verse 36, it says, And he that rece reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that, he, that, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. See, I was used to sowing. I was used to going out and planting the field and, and seeing the whole process. But now Jesus is teaching his disciples that I'm going to send you to reap where you bestowed no labor. And it's really verse 38 that the Lord really touched my heart about the ministry opportunity that's in front of us right now. He said, I sent you to reap wherein you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered in to their laborers. It was through this verse in John chapter 4 and verse 38 that I knew that the Lord was calling me to be the next pastor of Leon Valley Baptist Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that was started by a faithful man, Pastor Forrest Jones, and it was like the Lord was telling me, I'm sending you there to reap where you bestowed no labor. Other men have labored, and you are entered into their laborers. So as we speak right now, honestly, uh, it's just kind of uh, ironic, but as we speak right now in San Antonio, Texas, they're having a church vote for the Burkholders to come to be the next pastor of Leon Valley Baptist Church. I just thought it was ironic as I was driving here today that I first heard about Tanzania uh, through the ministry of this church, through one of your members, Doug Miller, and here we are at the end of our journey, right back to where it started. And so, we praise the Lord for seeing one calling come to completion, but continuing on that calling in another place. You folks have been so dear and near to our hearts all these years, and we just pray that God will allow our paths to cross again, uh, whether that's in San Antonio, Texas, or Lebanon, Pennsylvania, or Tanzania, East Africa. We sure hope we can continue a relationship with you uh, in the work of the Lord. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the chance to partner. Your great commission is so great that it can't depend on one person or one church or one missionary. It takes all of us working together 
And that partnership, when it works well, is so sweet to see a local church who gets burdened for an area, who sacrificially gives and prays for a missionary who's willing to go. And God, to sit back and look back at the last 20 years and see how you've worked is just amazing. We just stand in awe of all that you've done. Grateful for your grace to be able to see something get to the point that it is. And Lord, there is more work to be done. We pray for the church again in Tanzania, for Pastor Rich and the believers there and the churches out in the villages, that they would continue on with the great commission that they've been given, that the great commission would not end with them, but it would just be a new beginning to continue on reaching the communities around them. Lord, we pray for this church as they continue to reach their community, as they start with youth tomorrow in this youth camp, and as they constantly try to reach out in this community through, through its members and around the world, Help them to continue on with the Great Commission. And Lord, in, in our new calling and in, in where you've called us to, Lord, uh, we just pray that you would uh, continue to use us in this new field, in this new place uh, as we go and, and continue on with the commission that you've given us to fulfill. We thank you, Lord. We praise you and we thank you and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, I continue to pray that you would just bless the Burkholders. We thank you for this privileged opportunity of partnership, but we do pray, please guide and direct in their future. Give them confidence, give them assurance where you would have them to be if it's in San Antonio. And we pray that you would bless and prosper their ministry if that's the spot. Thank you, thank you, thank you for their ministries to us. Thank you for the friendship that we've been able to enjoy. Thank you for the way you've blessed in their family. We pray that you bless their kids, bless in their transition, and thank you we have this opportunity this evening to be able to tell them how much we appreciate all their labors and partnership. We pray that you would just bless our fellowship in these minutes to follow. In Christ's name we pray this.